We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts, uh, we're less than a fortnight from Christmas Day as we await the Brewers bringing us more goodies to put under the tree. Not a lot of action in the, the last few weeks. We got Wade Miley signed, Joe Ross signed, and some other things we'll talk about in a bit. And then we're going to grade the bullpen. Probably the best performing unit on the team. I don't think there's any probably about it as we go through the, these grades. The top end is going to be very top end. Although the bottom end will be very bottom end. But before we get into all that, hey, Adam, it's great to see you across a Zoom screen. You know, this once a week thing, you know, I'm not counting our movie podcast. It's just, you know, it leaves me wanting, you know, more of this baseball conversation with you. Always great to see you, Andrew. I'm doing well. Um, the Brewers did not sign Shohei Itani, so there was not an emergency podcast from a bike in the Netherlands. But we're back. Things are, you know, slowly but surely happening. Could possibly do it just really for our own amusement's sake. Picking up a little bit for the Brewers, giving us something a little bit more of a splash. But at the same time, conflicting reports week to week. It feels like you're still out there around Corbin Burns. 
So yeah, we'll we'll see what this ultimately amounts to this offseason. We'll see what kind of bat the Brewers might add. We'll see how the starting rotation ultimately might shake out. All of that stuff. Yeah, I think one thing that a lot of people are missing when it comes to the Shohei Otani news is that what he's done here, uh, much like Craig Council, uh, is he's set the market for hitters that also pitch because, as you know, Adam, uh, no asterisk needed here, but Otani is going to be making $2 million a year two-way player. He'll you know only hit next season. Uh, Rowdy Telez just signed a $3.2 million contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So the superior two-way player uh, has gotten you know $1.2 million more a year. And I think uh, I think that aligns with uh, how we value both players. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we're happy for Rowdy that he's, uh, you know, taking that one step above Shohei. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a good bit. Um, <laughs> I, I do have feelings on, you know, the structure of Shohei Tani's deal. Um, I have I have feelings of a different kind of seeing Rowdy stay in the vision. Um, I I personally, so I'm surprised I don't think he's necessarily done. Think he could bounce back. Hope that doesn't happen. Do I have to say that now? Uh, he he has a chance to hit some balls in the Allegheny, you know, on a very regular basis, and that's that's fun. But I just hope they're not going to come against the Brewers or frequently enough to make the Pirates into something other than what the Pirates ultimately proved to be this year. Yeah, from a uh, feelings perspective, I think we know how we feel about this already. It it hurts to see the big guy go. We're gonna miss his uh, interviews and post game scrums or media appearances and that uh, dry sense of humor that just delighted us to no end. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think he's done either. I think he could have a, a good season and bounce back season with the Pirates. Um, I think how we'll know or how we'll know how to feel about this decision as it relates to the Brewers' first base situation will be what the Brewers ultimately do at first base. I think there are a lot of different ways they can go about it. And, uh, you know, we might have (laughs) wanted Rowdy at whatever his tender number is or, you know, something lesser than that, uh, something along the lines of this, if Bowers is starting first base on opening day. That's when we'll know (laughs) how to feel about this from a business perspective. I think there's still a lot of different interesting options uh, for the Brewers at first base if they want to kind of, you know, Maybe make a little trade, or there's some some guys out there that could be had, um, and I think reasonable deals. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess we should get into some other news. I think later in the offseason might be a good time to uh, talk about the Otani contract, though. So put, keep that in in our mind because as we get to the dog days of the winter and all the actions done, and we look ahead to the future of baseball and the future of the Brewers. Uh, I think that's a worthwhile discussion to have. The Brewers have added uh, to the roster. Uh, Joe Ross's deal is finalized, and Adam McAlvey uh, noting that they're viewing him um, as a starter going into spring training, so a guy potentially to look at for the back half of that rotation. Um, uh, and that deal for Ross is at $1.75 million, and he is past his physical. So uh, Ross into the mix with Colin Ray, Robert Gasser, Aaron Ashby, uh, Adrian Hauser, Wade Miley, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, kind of the mix there. I don't know if I left anyone out. If I did, I apologize. The other move is the Brewers have signed Rob Zestrizny to a minor league deal. Uh, Zestrizny most recently 
pitch for the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, spending time uh, between AAA and the big leagues. Last year, uh, pitched 20 and two-thirds innings last year, 4.79 ERA for him there. Has also spent time um, with the Los Angeles Angels, New York Mets, and the Chicago Cubs. So a bit of a journeyman. Um, They'll give him a look in spring training. Might be a guy that they end up getting to Nashville to start the year and will be one of those guys that comes up in the bullpen shuffle as it happens as the season goes on, as we're about to discuss. Uh, It takes a lot of guys to uh, fill out a a bullpen over the course of 162 games. Uh, The elusive second left-handed reliever, Adam, that the Brewers just can't seem to nail in our time doing this podcast, Justin Wilson, Bennett Seuss's of the world, uh, Thomas Pannone, others I'm sure I'm forgetting. Uh, The mainstay is Hobie Milner, who goes out there and crushes it uh, seemingly every day. Um, But, you know, finding that that next lefty that can be the depth there has been a challenge. Yeah, it sure has. It's hard to really feel much of anything on this right now. It is just very much kind of flyer territory, which, hey, that's you've got to do some of that. Um, it's, It's kind of easier to judge when you see what the overall shape of things looks like. I mean, in the pitching department, we do have a pretty good feel for what it might look like, unless the Brewers make a change, which dramatically alters that. And it it certainly feels like they've kind of covered their bases and given themselves the necessary options if they were to make a Corbin Burns trade, that they could look at different position types, they could look at some prospects who maybe aren't ready right now. Like, they, they have starting depth kind of secured at this point. And with the kind of, as we'll get on to, with the core of their very strong uh, relievers from last year back to go again, it's it's pretty steady. Like, you, you can kind of feel like, okay, that is the area where at the moment it doesn't feel like there needs to be a whole lot of a shakeup. As you said, there are things that could certainly help a lefty in the mix who is effective, another lefty. Would be useful. We've seen the Brewers try to go down this road and have uh, failed experiments. Again, more on that when we get to grades. But I think overall, you've got to kind of wait and see on this and work out at that point. You know, is this is this something or is this nothing, Andrew? And I'm probably leaning slightly more towards nothing right now, but I could be I could be surprised. I probably would have said that last uh, this time last year about players who ended up being very effective and quite important for the Brewers. Yeah, he's a 31 year old uh, journeyman reliever who hasn't really found any success in the big leagues other than a 16 game stint with the Cubs uh, in 2016. So not expecting much here. But hey, let's let's see what the labs got cooked up. Uh, in the beakers for Zastrzynski. Zastrzynski. I did it right the first two times, and then I botched it on the last one. Uh, we knew that was going to happen. I talk like I have a mouthful of marbles in general, so <laughs> this is never going to go well for me. Um, I guess uh, the only other thing we need to touch on before we get into the grades is, uh, yeah, the Brewers are in Milwaukee to stay through 2050. Uh, signed, sealed, delivered, and, uh, you know, it was contentious. We got angry. Uh, with certain people, Rick Schlesinger. Um, and at, now I'm just glad it's over and then it does not have to be a re- uh, a repeated talking point on this podcast because that kind of conversation just exhausts me. 
Yeah, I mean, really all we wanted coming out of it was the Brewers to be secure and to have a, a clear future that everyone can look forward to and is mapped out in Milwaukee. That's what we got there. There were parts that were pretty unsavory. Uh, I don't think everyone will necessarily feel great about the process. This is how public funding for stadiums works in America, though. And you see this kind of every time it comes around in any given city. Honestly, there are currently much worse cases of this ongoing, both in you know cities losing their teams and also in terms of you know deals being probably even worse. So it could be worse. It certainly could be a whole lot better. I don't think the way that from the top of Brewers' ownership and management, this was handled was necessarily all that endearing. Um, but if we view it in a kind of a broader sense where, well, those people are the custodians of the team, don't know if they'd view it that way themselves. I know that was something that the book's ownership started to talk about when they came in. Don't know if Mark Adonazio quite feels that way. But it is probably how ownership should be, is that you're the custodians of a team and it belongs to a city. Being safe in the knowledge that the Brewers belong to Milwaukee for the foreseeable future is is a big deal. I'm glad that we just, like, I don't feel like we really had to go overboard or really got to a scary place in our conversations about it. We had to talk about it. The questions came up. There were moments where things kind of briefly look a little bit scary, but not in a really meaningful way. And I think this is about as tidy and as quick a resolution as it comes. And even then, it's never clean. It's never perfect. Yeah, uh, really nice of Clay Bennett to chip in that $50 million in Oklahoma City. Just what a guy. What a guy. Um, shall we move on to bullpen grades, Adam? Uh, uh, basically, to sum up what we just talked about for the last 30 seconds about uh, the stadium is you have to put up with me and Adam making annual ventures to Milwaukee until at least 2050. That's right. All right. Bullpen grades. So like we did last week with the pitchers, we're going to go through from the most amount of innings pitched uh, to the least. Uh, guys with less than 10 innings pitched in the season are going to get incompletes up first and in innings out of the pen at the beginning of Last season, I guess they got him in the offseason. Coming to spring training, he was a guy we wondered uh, would even make the final roster. We thought yes, because of the versatility and going multiple innings and potentially being used as a spot starter. And he really became the uh, Swiss Army knife of the bullpen. 76 and two-thirds innings pitch. 53 uh, appearances. Uh, 258 ERA. 107 whip. And just became really reliable. Um, started throwing that cut fastball that obviously he uh, shaped in the lab um, with the, the Brewers. Uh, pitching development team or whoever it may be. And uh, it really worked for him. A guy that we would expect to be back and be ready to compete for keeping his role in the bullpen again in 2024. But Bryce Wilson, uh, expectations versus reality. I went with uh, A. I was very lenient grader here. If if you need to talk me into A minus just because, you know, we can't be too, you know, too giving with these, then I'll, I'll hear you out there as well. No, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you. I gave Bryce Wilson an A. Um, I, I think, you know, you could make a case that there are relievers on this list, at least for me later, who um, pitch slightly better statistically and who will get slightly lesser grades. 
I think Bryce Wilson deserves a ton of credit for what his role was, which was generally a multiple innings guy. Uh, we talked a lot about that this the first season we did this podcast, um, the year before last, in it being something that I felt like the Brewers lacked. And the fact that Bryce Wilson was able to give them that, and that's kind of what he was brought in for, and yet he was not an innings eater. Like He was given quality innings, for two to three innings on most of his outings there were occasions where he came in for less than that and he delivered but i i think there is a degree of difficulty to that role and it's a really important one to have one guy who can kind of string things together and he got worked like that's i mean not in a good way he got worked by the brewers not by opposing hitters there's a reason we're starting off with him and he is up there in terms of most innings pitched of pitchers within the bullpen. So he really delivered an outstanding season. I think he's very much deserving of an A grade. Uh, That brings us next to the man who led the Brewers pitching staff in appearances, not innings, but appearances. Yoel Piamps acquired as part of a deal that uh, will long live in infamy in Oakland. Sorry, Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. Um, the William Contreras deal. I mean, we probably thought of Yoel Piamps as a throw-in at that time, and he turned into much more than that. Um, I guess I should turn it over to you first. We did the alternating thing last time. So, Adam, uh, where, where did he come down on Yoel Piamps? I came down at an A- minus for Yoel Piamps, uh, purely because he did have a pretty rocky spell now it is one that he managed to largely recover from which keeps him very much in the a range uh one of the most important players really on the roster and i think at his best i would put him as best of the bullpen not named devin williams last season i think like when he was really on and when he had a streak of being pretty much unhittable that was a sight to behold. I think it was a real game changer for the Brewers. They desperately needed someone like that. And I don't think we could ever have expected Yoel Piamps to have been that guy and to have delivered in that way. Some listeners might remember, you might remember, Andrew. Uh, for a guy who became just one of my absolute favorite Brewers, I was very suspicious of him at the start and I just felt like it didn't look right and a blow-up was going to come and a blow-up was going to come. And I remember the first kind of month of the season kind of being like, I'm not sure. This is kind of working, but I'm not not entirely convinced. Maybe that was just down to my own distrust in kind of, you know, not-so-glamorous relief pitchers, which was only really shaped by some of the disaster stories that the Brewers had the previous year. That was not fair to all Piamps, and he did his part in, you know, changing my view of relief pitchers in general. So I think he had an excellent season. I may be, maybe being just a tiny bit harsh with an A-. minus. I mean, it's still an A, and I don't, I just don't want to give everyone <laughs> A's and A pluses, and I feel like this is a really exceptional group where there's going to be a lot of that. There's kind of a lot of that you just can't avoid. But I think Pimes had a sensational season. I'd slot him in at A-. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, um, I went with A, but I'm fine selling at an A minus. There was that stretch of the season where maybe due to overuse, he kind of got worn down a bit and then settled settled back in before the playoffs, which was nice to see. And uh, I think he, he pitched an inning, inning and a third. I don't know that he allowed any runs uh, during his playoff appearance. I can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, it, A minus works for me. Um, I think this would have been an A had uh craig council just not overused him so uh you know i, I think there's, there's one person to blame for this being an a minus not an a it's craig council and that's all i have to say uh moving on elsewhere down the list uh <laughs> i will continue to give uh full-on a's for this one though uh hobie milner 64 uh and one-thirds innings pitch on the season 182 era hobie is mr reliable just gets you out of jams, uh, gets guys out for fun. Not just a left-on-left left guy. He can get guys at both sides of the plate out, and that's what you need to do as a reliever in 2023, thanks to the uh, the three-batter minimum rules. A guy who could have been out of baseball had he not adjusted to that. A guy who, uh, before coming to the Brewers, had had some rocky spells as a big leaguer, and now he's an essential part of this bullpen. Obviously, great to have him back last year, and he actually led the Brewers in appearances. Uh, I had my sort wrong here uh, with Piamp. So, yeah, he pitched in 73 games. Obviously, you know the times where you're in a jam, scary lefties coming up. Who do you need to get you out of trouble? It's Hobie Milner. Hobie Milner did that, uh, and will hopefully continue to do that. I'm going A for Hobie Milner, um, and apologies for missing that. You had four more appearances than Piamp's. Um, and also he led the Brewers through the New York City subway system, and I don't think yeah. that can be ever looked. I think you you have a sort of by innings pitched, which is probably I think right for we're gonna have cutoffs, and Piamps did have more innings pitched. So Oh yeah. So what happened was I had Bryce with the most innings pitched was correct, but I've got them both right here. And for some reason my, my eye just tripped over the seventy three and landed on the sixty nine, which will happen. Well, um for Hobie Milner. I think Hobie Milner should get an A plus. Okay. I I really don't think Hobie Milner could possibly have had a better season than he did. Um, a guy who came up really big the year prior, but 
I think very much, if we're being realistic, fell into a category where we would have had really significant doubts over sustainability of it, um, over whether you know teams would work out some of, I guess, the uh, the quirks of his pitching style in a way that all of a sudden it could just disappear overnight and he'd all of a sudden become very hittable. That wasn't the case at all. He continued to be something of a you know firefighter for the Brewers coming in, getting him out of trouble. But really coming in in kind of whatever spots, I think this this season was one where his role just evolved and he became a guy who, you know, on some some nights you might be bringing him in, you know, to get you two outs in the fifth. And on other nights, you could be giving him the eight or the ninth as you're in a safe situation and some of your key guys are down. And it, just none of it phased him at all. I feel like there's a lot of pitchers where we have to kind of talk about you know their comfort in a given role and what can happen if they're put in a higher leverage spot put hobby milner anywhere he's just going to go and pitch and he's going to get outs yes yeah, i'm up for a plus i thought i was just going to be too leading of a grader on this podcast but I'll, I'll i'll come i'll come up to the top step of the ladder and hang the hobie milner star on my christmas tree I like not to spoil things too much. I only have two A pluses, and everyone will know who the other is. Well, yeah, I've I, I similarly have that as an A plus. Um, next up on the list, turn it back to you first. Uh, Sixty-one and one-thirds innings pitched. A guy who was also acquired by Trader Matt Arnold, um, and that's Trader with a T R A D E R, not Trader T R. A-I-T-O-O-R, which would apply to Craig Council. Um, got him in the Hunter Renfro trade. We thought Jansen Junk was going to be the most valuable member of that deal at the time. Thought, oh, spot starter, like maybe he'll factor into the rotation when they need a guy. And uh, Elvis Peguero turned out to be the pick of the bunch in that one. Adam, over to you for your Elvis Peguero grade. I have Elvis Peguero at a B. Um, he was certainly someone who, much like Piamps for a lot of the season, I think would have been up in that A range. And he had a great season overall. He did have struggles and didn't manage to steady himself in quite the same way or maybe quite as speedily as Piamps did. And we had, a, I guess, an extended, an extended spell of three weeks or so, maybe even a little bit more, where it was kind of tough to see him out there. And I think the Brewers had to go away from him. And in some ways that like fueled Piams to struggle. As you said, Piams ended up kind of overworked at a certain point. And that was at a moment where just there were fewer people to trust. And part of that was down to Piguero just not quite being at his very best. Overall, I think a great season. I'd be very excited to see what he looks like again next year. I would think he'll be a very good pitcher. Um, I think evening out at around this point, 338 ERA, that is probably about right for the best version of who he can be. I think I wouldn't go into next season expecting the guy we had kind of prior to some of his struggles for a full season. And if somehow you got that, that would be a really, really big boost. Um, but I think overall a very, very good season and one that we'd just kind of, you know, rinse and repeat, take it again next year if he can deliver it. Yeah, I had him going to be as well. And I think uh, there's a real chance that next season going into the year, if they've got the bullpen that they want, 
he will be knocked down a little lower in the pecking order. And I don't mean this as a knock. I mean, this is more of like a embarrassment of riches for the Brewers pen. Um, Cause if you've got like a Piamps, Uribe, Devin, like seven, eight, nine configuration, however that works out. Um, and then Piguero is kind of a first out of the pen. If you need him in the six kind of a guy along with Hobie Milner, Trevor McGill, other guys we'll talk about. I mean, I think just having him, settle into a role where maybe he doesn't have to throw as much as well. Um, and if they've got more options, I think he could yeah, level out around this area of his performance last year. And I think, uh, yeah, another great pickup in a trade for a guy we did not want on the roster anymore. And uh, uh, nice to see what Pugero did that this year. Um, next up on the list, and I'll go first for this one. It's pretty easy. Uh, the National League Reliever of the Year, Devin Williams. 58 and two-thirds innings pitch, 153 ERA, uh, 61 appearances. Uh, just full stop, one of the best relievers in baseball uh, with one of the most fun pitches in baseball, Devin Williams. I'm going A-plus for Devin Williams. Oh, you thought that was my other A-plus. My other A-plus is actually Rowdy Tellez. Um <laughs> No, no, of course. It's the Devin Williams gets an A-plus. Um, it's pretty fun having the best reliever in baseball and you know it's not new for the brewers and i'd i'd hope that nobody takes it for granted the run that they've been on in having guys of that kind of caliber um not to bring the boot down but who knows how much longer we will be watching devin williams pitch as a brewer i'm gonna take a guess we'll have another we'll have another full season um but he is a joy to watch. The things he can do are quite literally things that it feels like no one else on the planet can. And I think beyond that, I'm really important to him getting an A+. It's not like he was bad the previous season by any means. I think he he really stepped up, though. First full season without Josh Hader, becoming the closer officially. Um, it feels like the stress level of a Devin Williams appearance went down significantly. I, I think he just got so much better, so much more consistent, and he started to operate at a much, much higher level, you know, pitch to pitch, out to out, than he necessarily was even before this point. So you can't really ask for more than that. I don't. Like, I don't know if a better reliever, even in theory, exists than what Devin Williams can bring. But I think this was a step up, which is kind of wild. But I think the kind of, you know, the nightly or like two to three times a week heart attack we were getting when Devin Williams came in last year, where he'd like invariably get let two guys on and then strike out the rest to, to get out of there clean. That just kind of went away. And more often than not, he just went out in a routine fashion, would go and get a save or whatever really the Brewers needed of him in a given spot. And also we saw him go, you know, more than one inning. We saw him put in some important multiple inning showings. I thought it was just a really elite season. Next up on the list, uh, I guess this is uh, first grade for you. Uh, I'd I'd been queuing up in my mind what I thought I was gonna say, but um, 
I it blew my mind, and it just goes to show you the nature of a baseball season over the course of this many games. It blew my mind that he pitched this many innings, uh, considering how I was remembering his season. But next up, uh, 35 and two-thirds innings pitched with a 4-5-4 ERA. Peter Strzelecki. Adam, I'll turn over the floor to you. Didn't he get the eight to start the season in games? I, th- I feel like that was what we wanted from him, and I do think he was in the seventh and eight starting. He out. had, I think, going into May, that was the case. He had eight holds in May, um, and he had an 0.66 ERA going into May. Uh, the wheels just came off. The Colorado game, May 4th, recorded one out, five earned runs. Right of the ship from time to time after that. And then the back-to-back outings against Oakland and Baltimore just tanked him. But anyway, back to you. Uh, I'm going to give him a D. In some ways, that feels harsh because there was, as you just alluded to, a concerted run of him being elite in, in the, the way and even better than he was to finish last season. And we had such high hopes for him coming into the year. I think that certainly factors into it. And it was one of those cases where it was just, it was there, it was there, it was there, and it was gone. And it wasn't coming back. Um, even the fact that he didn't go on and, you know, play a role with the Snakes. Get himself right in the mix of a World Series. The fact that that wasn't the trajectory his season went on. I don't think he made a single appearance in the big leagues after leaving Milwaukee, if if I've got that right in my memory. Made one, it looks like. Uh, in Whoa. August against San Diego, one and a third innings pitched, a hit, two walks, but didn't allow any runs. I'm guessing, given the amount of base runners and the one and one thirds uh, innings, that he had to be removed from that game, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I mean, just someone that I really liked, have very high expectations for. And I think when they traded him, too, we talked a little bit about it. Could have been someone that maybe if they they could have maybe just stuck a little bit longer and worked that out. Uh, but the Brewers and the pitching lab know best very much in this scenario. And the fact it wasn't a quick turnaround in Arizona where he got back to himself possibly tells something. Um, but yeah, disappointing season. That also included some really, really good stuff when he was at his best. Uh, I I went at a D plus due to the, the banked April wins or you know not pitcher wins but you know what i mean the banked april innings and the the good work that it did to help the brewers win some games i think the plus is fair it gives his mom something to see on the report card and say you know there's a plus there and you know like maybe that we can build towards something i don't think the plus does that i really i don't think it does but i'm insisting on it okay all right next on the big board. Uh, a lot of you guys can't see this because, you know, we don't do many YouTube podcasts, but we actually have a poster board with Velcro, and I'm pulling the names, and it's it's showing the next guy. Um, next up on the list, so Trevor just McGill. Not true for the record. Um, Andrew is not withholding to, video content. I'm trying to paint a picture for the listeners. It's like, uh, what was that? Uh, sorry, someone just accepted a meeting invite on my other laptop apologies for the the loud ding if it made its way to the mic uh trevor mcgill uh traded to the brewers in april for a uh, player to be named later in cash considerations mcgill is tall and he throws gas and we know matt arnold likes both of those things 
uh, McGill, 363 ERA, a guy who was up and down a few times over the course of the regular season. And then towards the end of the season, really seemed to settle in as a, a guy that Craig Council trusted and who got big outs for the Brewers. And, you know, we love to see that gas. Um, I landed at a B for Trevor McGill. I kind of viewed it in the same way that I viewed Elvis Pagaro. Um, although I had lower expectations than McGill uh, for Pagaro, and he had about a eh, little, little more than half the innings um, that Pagaro had. So kind of viewed them in the same space. And uh, I'm intrigued to see if McGill's uh, period of su- sustained success, he seemed to figure out, will uh, continue on into 2024. Uh, I went B- um, just because it took a little bit of figuring out when he did. It looked really good, and let's hope it does hold up. But I think just in not having quite that workload, I do think you know, when we look at kind of con- contributions to uh, the Brewers' success over the course of the season, I do think Elvis Piguero certainly gave them more than Trevor McGill did or had a bigger role in that. So I would I would just have him ahead of that. But there was a lot to like, and it was pretty encouraging what we saw from him later in the year. That's kind of to go back to what I mentioned earlier. It's you head into new season, and right now we can talk about eh, you know, kind of like what the Brewers have got. They seem well set up with what was you know, right up there, if not the best bullpen in all of baseball last season. The thing with that is that maybe Elvis Piguero looks like the bad version of himself, and Trevor McGill looks like the bad version of himself and all of a sudden you've got these kind of gaps and it goes wrong which is why in part some flyers are still necessary i hope that's not the case because mcgill certainly looked at the tools laid on and one thing i really really liked about him andrew was that man would get fired up when he'd go in there and deliver and he clearly cared and he was he was fighting for the opportunity and to kind of carve out a niche for himself as a major league pitcher and at least for the time being, he's done that. Let's hope it continues into next year. Yeah, let's go B-minus for McGill. Um, those innings that Peguero banked at a better rate definitely uh, deserve a little separation there. Uh, the nature of recency bias in a baseball season, Peter Strzelecki threw one more inning than Trevor McGill, and my brain would not have put that together before this exercise. Next on the list, I'm just going to clear out of the paint and let you cook. Um your pride and joy, Admir Uribe, 30 and two-thirds innings pitch, 176 ERA. Uh, and just a delight to watch as his pitches go viral on social media. Yeah, the purest of delights that you can have watching Brewers baseball might just be watching Admir Uribe come into a game. Um I think the thing with Abner that's worth noting is it's not just that he pitched so well. It is the timing of when he did it. I mean, him coming up kind of coincided not long after that with Elvis Piguero hitting a rockier spell with a couple of kind of injuries or just some elements of uncertainty and with a really busy stretch in the schedule and with the Brewers being kind of locked in at a point where they hadn't pulled away yet and they needed to avoid losing any ground. They needed quality innings immediately. They needed them to be repeatable. There are lots of guys who we won't even really be talking about on this pod because they just came up a few innings here or there, generally bad, never to be seen again. Abner Uribe has 
a prospect I think everyone had high hopes for. I don't know if the hopes were necessarily this high for most people. I don't know if they were this high for the Brewers or if they saw him like sticking once he went up and playing at this level for the remainder of the season. But he was just electric. He's got some of the nastiest stuff in all of baseball. I'm trying to rein this in because he did pitch just under 31 innings. Um, What he did in that time was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to go A- minus though because I think putting him ahead of Yoel Piamps would feel wrong, even taking into the context. I think A- minus as a rookie is pretty pretty strong and I think it's just a matter of time before we get to the kind of the A plus range am I being harsh am I trying not to just you know give things out too cheaply to my my number one son I don't know but uh, I went A minus as well just because of the workload differences between him and some of it and that's not his fault because he was called up like mid season and he's a rookie but I just think when we're getting to the end of the day and, and grading it some of those guys need to be rewarded for just taking the ball as often as they did. Um, the one thing for Uribe for me that was, excuse me, most encouraging is that we thought that control and walk issues were going to be something that impacted him a lot more than they actually did. Now, there were those moments from time to time that would flare up, but for the most part, he reined it in and was really within himself on the mound. And I think that was a really big achievement for a rookie and a guy uh stepping into a high-pressure role um, because he was getting into some high-pressure games. Uh, Craig showed that he trusted him in big moments and jams, and uh, he, more often than not, he rewarded that fate. Uh, next up on the list... Gets really easy de- I'll be honest. Tra- it's going to tra- get tra- really straightforward. Trade deadline acquisition. Andrew Chafin, 17 innings, 5-8-2 ERA. Uh, you know, he had some moments towards the end where he... He piled up some scoreless appearances, although they were rocky from time to time. But, like, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just going to give him an F because he was bad with the Brewers. He was just bad. He was bad. And, uh, like, I loved the some of the tight wire moments where he would get out of jams and, like, especially the one where he had to go cover first and stretch to make the play. But, like, I think somehow I haven't looked at his – underlying metrics or anything but i feel like the pro or the process was even worse than the results actually were and that like it, we even got a little fortunate in some scenarios that there weren't more blowups so for that reason i give my harshest grade of the night another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. 
all for an incredible value your wrists and wallets will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. I'm a little surprised that the Tigers were so quick to you know take him off the board in free agency. And I mean, he could just bounce back and all of that could work out, but we'll see. He gets close to not being an F because of what he showed late in the year. And I do think if the Brewers postseason had gone differently, and if you'd be included on the roster, I think I think you and I made the case. He probably should have been at that point. Um but you can't overlook what he did before that. And he's also just not a no-name guy. Like, this is a very good, you know, career major league reliever. And the Brewers went and got him. And they went and got him with expectations. And I think we had hopes and expectations for him too. And he just floundered. And I think it's it's tough to just, like, throw that out the window and be like, yeah, he was terrible until he wasn't. Yeah, let's just not give him an F because I think – the fact that the Brewers made a play on him and he should have been someone who was making their already great bullpen supercharged down the stretch. Instead, it went the different direction. Um, he was the lefty that they hoped to bring into the mix to help Hobie Milner a little bit and you know the opposite happened. So I think it's an F. I think it's very straightforward. It's an F. It's... I have fonder memories of him than I would have believed, certainly at one point, because he started to pitch better. But I do remember how angry he made me for quite a number of appearances. So, yeah, I think an F is honestly deserved. I I don't think he, he deserves to get off of that. He failed as a brewer, so he deserves a fail grade. I'm going to go first on this next one, just because I want you to go first on the last one. Uh Next one's JC Mejia, uh, five five six ERA across nine appearances. Hurt his shoulder, and then yeah. uh, also tested positive for performance enhancing uh, drug time in two years. Yeah, with the Brewers. Yeah, you know. so he's suspended a full season if he ever ends up anywhere. Um, F for F. that reason, <laughs> like... the guy sucks. <laughs> uh, a listener I won't name to feed his ego who was. He was starting to get a little bit, maybe it's the wrong choice of words, but a little bit high on the JC Mejia supply for a while. Oh, look at that slider. Look at that slider. Yeah, look at it sail into the stands. Um, not not good. Not good. A couple of moments where you're like, it's there. Lost it. It was never like... I, I don't even want to. The whole being twice in two years testing positive for steroids is too dumb for me to in even 2023 <laughs> was it in the like, one year uh or i was just saying that in like oh you meant, how do you think yes, you can okay, get away with that nowadays like but it was like, two years like he, he tested positive didn't he early the prior season um suspended for 80 games in may of 22 same drug too. It looks like so he, wa- he wasn't the, even Zolol. he wasn't even available to start this season, and then he gets suspended again, and the season finishes. Not even late in the season. I can't remember. Regardless, 
just embarrassing stuff. Embarrassing. He wasn't even good. He wasn't even good. That's maybe the worst part. Like, if you were just taking your, your drugs and just, like, crushing it. It's like, well, I get why he took the like drugs. He was like, good. He needed it. I, I, guess, yeah. I guess he got his money's worth out of those. And, you know, he didn't even. He was bad. And now he's suspended again. Incredible. All right, Adam, I'll turn it over to you shortly. Just want to introduce the final man receiving a grade for today's episode of Cruising for a Bruising, gspn.info. Subscribe to all the pods. Uh, 12 appearances, 10 and a third innings pitched, 9.58 ERA, World Series champion, Matt Bush. Adam, what is your grade? Well, this was like a jump scare because I honestly didn't really associate him with this season at all. This is quite literally like Ghost of Christmas Past coming back to us here. Uh, yeah, it's an F. It's absolutely an F. He shouldn't have been back. I remember us talking about that. He really went out of his way to prove that in spectacular, spectacular fashion. In honestly, a way that only he can. Um, 12 appearances, 10 in the third innings pitch, five homers. Just like not out there pitching at all. Uh, six walks. How many earned runs? 11. 11 earned runs in 12 appearances. 11 earned runs in 10 to third innings. And awful. Awful. And it comes off the back of him already having been... Uh, I mean, look, there were, again, this is... It kind of fits the Chafin mold, right? If we're to go back a year and we're to yeah. talk about what it was, it would have been like if the Brewers saw what they saw, and maybe Matt Bush was the reason they didn't, which Aifner was like, look, there was some really bad stuff, but there was also some good. You know, when that thing works, he can really help. They've heeded the warnings this time. They probably should have last time. Matt Bush was just not it, and it proved to be the case very quickly. And But we also we had to do that dance. Now that I remember it was this season, we had to go through this for quite a while of them not just firing him into the sun and instead rehab assignments or rehab assignments. And it's like, what are we really, what are we building towards? What is the hope? What's going to turn around here? Adam, we have next week, not spoil anything, we're going to do infielders, I think, of the position player group for our grades episode. She's going to be a player that's going to get a positive grade uh, for limited performance because of when he was acquired. Should that player get extra consideration for ending Matt Bush's Brewers career? I'm talking about Carlos Santana, who hit the walk-off homer that fired Bush into the sun. I mean, that should get him back, right? They're talking about having interest in Santana. That should be enough. He got him out of it early enough in the season. That your season wasn't ruined by Matt Bush. So, yeah, that's worth considering next week. Uh, some guys. Some guys is a good way to describe this group. Yeah. This group, the uh, incompletes Jake Cousins, nine and a third innings, Tyson Miller, nine and a third innings, Gus Varlin, nine and a third or eight and two thirds innings, excuse me. Uh, all those guys out of the organization, I believe. Javi Guerra, eight and a third. Jansen Junk got some relief innings at the end of uh, the season. Uh, he's also, you know, factoring into that depth starter mix. Uh, J.B. Bukowskis, Ethan Small, Clayton Andrews, Thiago Vieira, Thomas Pannone, Bennett Sousa, Mike Brasso, baby, two and a third innings pitch, three eight six ERA for Bross. He's back uh, in the big leagues with the Royals, I think, right? Is that oh, what I saw? I, I missed that. 
I think it was the Royals. Uh, I will uh, take a look about at that. Um, Caleb Bosley pitched in relief, and then Rowdy Thales and Alex Claudio. Claudio was the left-handed reliever name I was uh, missing when I was talking earlier in the podcast. But yeah, that is the Brewers 2023 season graded the bullpen. Next up, we've got a couple of position groups, and then that'll take us into like full bore ahead to look in 2024. Do we do a full uh after that? Do we do a full episode on grading Craig? Is that what we do then? I, That's I'm a joke. fine with that, we, Adam. We, we, no, we don't. Want... We've done enough of that. We, we've honestly done enough of that. Um, he gets a C for coward. Um, just shout out to JB Bukowskis and Chago Vieira for not allowing any earned runs in their, you know. Small opportunities. Vieira actually looked pretty good and then got injured immediately. Talking of a guy who was like fired up. Um, Bukowskis as well. Good, good work. Who knows what could have been, what might be. I feel like they're both still within the organization. Maybe not. They might have got DFA'd and I, I can't remember. A lot of stuff happened like right at the end of last season where things just got a little bit wild with uh transactions, but those two guys did well, just didn't. Didn't pitch often enough to to earn a grade. There was that period uh, where I was just like, "Can can we just see JB Bukowskis again? Do I keep having to watch Clayton Andrews pitch?" And the answer was yes. And someone was like holding my eyelids open and making me watch it happen. Um, yeah, I would like uh, I would like to see some moves happen, Adam. I would like to see the market accelerate. We've I mean, unless you've got something to do, we can just chat for a few minutes. I just I'm about. I mean, I mean the market's ideas. kind of accelerated, just not with the Brewers. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I just wanted to throw out some things that have happened, like Seth Lugo to the Royals. Uh, uh, who, who else is on the move? Um, was it Jung Ho Lee? Um, to the Giants, a uh, guy who was out of the KBO, played for the Kiwoom Heroes. Uh, his nickname is Grandson of the Wind because his father's nickname was uh, Son of the Wind. I think so. Nice. I, I like I like everything about that, uh, and I guess obviously Otani to the Dodgers. It sounds like trade talks are heating up uh, between the the Dodgers and Tyler Glass now. Uh, the Brewers to this point are holding steady on Burns, and I think they are indeed waiting to see who misses out on getting the uh, top level starting pitcher that they think they need going into. 2024 cough Orioles um and uh yeah I think as we continue to see guys get signed that might ramp up those rumors as teams are ready to meet the asking price um Jordan Montgomery's still in the market Marcus Stroman Blake Snell uh Yoshinobu Yamamoto uh reports coming out today that the uh the Dodgers like really like loaded up the welcome wagon for the meeting with him and Freddie and Mookie and Shohei were all there trying to recruit him. And um, I, I don't know. I, I would not make it out of that room without signing, to be honest with you, if those three guys were saying, hey, help us win a real world series because we've only got a Disney World series. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting things have happened and still a lot of a lot of dominoes to fall. And, you know, I'd like at least one domino to land uh, in the Brewers. I, I don't know how dominoes works. Uh, laps. I think you, you kind of got, well, what lander lap? Yeah, okay, sure. You got dominoes down there. At the edge of the table or whatever. Um, Yeah, I guess we just, we're playing the waiting game, which is 
not the most exciting, but there is not a whole lot else you can do, and it is just part of, I guess, reality for the Brewers in terms of what they are doing and in terms of weighing up their options. And the Dodgers could have come calling for Corbin Burns. It doesn't seem like that's what they're doing at the moment. Maybe that deal is just not going to be out there. Uh, I think that would be bad for the Brewers, but if the bad outcome for the Brewers is Corbin Burns pitching, well, it should help them be a pretty good team in the now this year, if not really kind of in the longer term. So I guess we we just wait and see on that. But yeah, I mean, I I think... I feel good still. We just need to see, I think, a real hitter, a first or third, right? At least one of those spots. Maybe Tyler Black is ready and he's going to come up and factor into that conversation. Um, but it definitely feels like if you could get someone who would utility value in the infield who can hit, you're probably not going to because that sounds expensive. But Jorge Blanco keeps coming up. Uh, keeps so coming up as a be... trade option. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, that's that's really the crucial thing at this point. I think to just making this a bit more more coherent, rounding it out. Um, if they do say bring back Santana, at his age, there is risk to that. But I do think he was pretty good. Maybe not as good as we'd hope for defensively, but solid with the bat. And I think there's certainly room for him to have a good season there. And then if there were to be any trades, I mean, if you could get someone more proven who could help on that front of third, and then you've got Tyler Black in the mix as someone who can, you know, offer some competition and offer some at-bats at either of those spots and hopefully hit the ground running, you kind of round things out in a nice way. So not for the first or probably the last time we are being like, Hey, can the, can the Brewers get some nice bats? Um, We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I think it's just got to be the answer. But maybe. The other question so. on my mind is, obviously we've seen the Cubs not necessarily take a big swing yet. And is their big move going to be overpaying for a manager and then maybe overpaying for Cody Bellinger? Are they going to miss on any of the starting pitchers that they had their eye on like I don't what's I what's gonna happen with them I mean uh there were some cocky Cubs fans on Twitter uh post council hiring that they were like yeah we're gonna be big players for Otani that was never gonna happen I'll just say that right now um do they go and overpay Matt Chapman like I don't know is who's gonna make the big panic move on a free agent that's good not great and has some longer term concerns um I just wish this was a more condensed period where it was all coming fast and furious and like we got the the talking points early. But maybe maybe we'll be thanking our lucky stars when the Corbin Burns trade comes on like July twenty third or sorry, January twenty third, and uh we were struggling for something to talk about. So I guess we'll see. We'll see. Um I think that's that's it. We I mean we mentioned Rowdy to Pirates. We mentioned Chafe to the Tigers. I don't know if we did mention Victor Cartini to the Astros. Oh, uh, yeah, good point. Yeah, forgot about that. Uh, so backup catcher, another thing they might be in the market for to start the season. 
maybe lower priority because it could be something that they view as to start the season and that Jefferson Caro's timeline will be, you know, accelerated and he could be someone we see middle of the season, but you don't want to be don't want to be reliant on that either when you're gonna have a lot of young players, rookies from the past season still in your roster, plus you're gonna have Jackson Churio, you might have Tyler Black. At a certain point, you get close to, you know, just to being all kids if you're not careful, which that'll be fun, but it just doesn't feel like that's the Brewer's vision. Um, I'm going to level of competitiveness and I think experience will factor into what they want to achieve. I think I want to flip the order of uh, how we do this next grades podcast, because I think the conversation around outfield uh, trades and what that might look like may become relevant sooner rather than later might not so i think yeah let's do outfielders next week talk about some of the possibilities there as well um because that that's a good point um i think uh like you said lower priority on backup catcher because they think uh carol might be ready very soon but how low priority does that does that go uh, are they gonna <laughs> are they gonna bring back uh uh martin maldonado see what he's got at this age uh you know not basically it's basically like having a, a a pitcher in the lineup at the plate, I think these days, but you know, very well regarded uh, for I think his uh, game calling ability and just the way he worked with pitchers. Uh, Dusty Baker obviously trusted him a lot as he was getting at bats over Yanni or Diaz before that was uh, actually rational. Uh, you know, <laughs> sixty six OPS plus last year for Maldonado, not great, but you know, how much how much do they need from until Caro's ready to go? Uh, Tom Murphy was another name that uh, Discord user who will not be named uh has mentioned he was a guy who was with the Mariners and hit some hit pretty well in like small samples uh over the last few seasons but uh like I don't I don't know what that means but you know just just some just naming guys Adam just naming guys no nothing wrong with that Andrew nothing wrong with naming guys all right there will be more naming guys next week and the week after that and the week after that to make sure you don't miss any of that subscribe where we get your podcast that's a cruising for a bruising you should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed for all things Milwaukee books. You've got Eurostep, Ty Windish Ron Cuddy. You've got Winning Six with myself and Jordan Tresky. Episode 400 coming up next. Talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Jordan and Numak have you covered over there. And last but not least, make time for this for all things movies, pop culture. You'll hear more from Andrew and myself there. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>